Hello and welcome to How We Got Here, a podcast between Nondoc Media and FKG Consulting. I'm Trace Savage, the editor-in-chief of Nondoc.com, an independent journalism publication here in Oklahoma City, and I'm here with two gentlemen from FKG Consulting, Brian Freed and Ryan Kilpatrick. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you, Trace? Good, good. It is uh, Thursday morning on July 12th when we are uh, recording this, and we have a milestone. This is episode 10 uh, of the podcast, and we also have our first elected official joining us. Um, It is Representative Emily Virgin from Norman, and she's here with us. Uh, She does not have a race in 2018, so she's already geared up for her next term. Yay! Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me as the first elected official. There you go. You're a podcast listener, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I love podcasts. I I just said I feel really cool being on a podcast, um, but... I was warned not to feel cool. Yeah, that's this usually. is a, this is a really cool podcast. So. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Casual Thursday, so uh, we're going to talk about um, everybody's favorite topic right now: marijuana uh, in the medical variety and um, in the smokable and non-smokable forms. Uh, as we get down there, uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, the state board of health um, had a big vote. Um, on on that, and uh, we're going to kind of get into all of that here in a minute. Emily, I meant to ask you just to kind of describe your background. Tell us a little about yourself, your district in Norman, and then we'll kind of start this whole train on uh, on uh, uh, medical marijuana. Yeah, so I was first elected in 2010. Um, I was in law school at the time, and uh, so I've been reelected every time since then, and reelected without opposition this time. So that's very exciting. Um, I uh, finally did graduate from law school. Um, took me a little longer than than uh, most. I haven't um, yet, so go ahead. <laughs> um, and so my district is uh, House District 44, and it's uh, sort of the just the central part of Norman, the core Norman area. Um, and <clears throat> so the University of Oklahoma is in my district, um, and I'm pretty biased. I think it's a fantastic district. It's, it's pretty good. It has uh, <clears throat> probably the most important street, Connolly Lane. Oh, uh, uh, yes, that is, yes. That's where I grew up. Uh-huh. Um, so. I met one of Trace's neighbors the other day. Oh, really? Any stories? Mrs. Yes. Mrs. Magid. Oh, that's, yeah. my, that's my friend Sam's mother. How, uh-huh. how did that go? Uh, she wouldn't tell me anything incriminating, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, well, that is very <laughs> unfortunate. She's a very kind but you, woman. But I came up in the discussion? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Ca- Carol is a sweet lady. She was like my second mother. Um, and that's that's hilarious. Yeah. I, maybe that needs to be our, our Easter egg at, a, at, at another recording time. <laughs> so, well, yeah, well, the, well the, by the way, the Virgin, you all are kind of, you're kind of becoming like the Kennedys of oh, the Mormon yeah, area, totally, right? Totally. I mean, your brother's a judge, is correct? Yes, and, yeah, my uh, older brother, uh, who... I was an elected official before him. I like to make that clear. Of course. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so he was elected in 2014 as a district judge uh, in Cleveland, McLean, and Garvin counties um, and sits in Cleveland County. So um, he's, you know, I don't tell him this, but I'm pretty proud of him. And uh, he has two little girls who are my favorite people in the world. And uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, but it's just the two of us. So not quite like the Kennedys yet. Well, you have a lot of um, talents and you're a wealth of information at the Capitol. And you also uh, 
if you stick around, listeners, uh, our Easter egg this this week is um, Brian and Emily discussing uh, the staircase. Uh, on Netflix, which is a show that I have, I know basically nothing about, or I did before they discussed it for five minutes. And then uh, the bonus is Emily Virgin uh, trying to say a tongue twister um, <laughs> at the end, which I think we all got wrong anyway. So stick around yeah. for that. Uh, that'll be really that. good. Um, back to the topic at hand. Uh, like I said, Tuesday, the State Board of Health um, approved the emergency rules for the implementation of medical marijuana, which was um, authorized under. Uh, approved by voters on June 26th under State Question 788. We have a past podcast on that. Um, I think that was episode eight. Uh, and uh, if you want to know kind of some of the background of the, of the political history of medical marijuana across the country, but also in, in Oklahoma, that's a good episode to listen to. We're going to kind of uh, go against our branding here and look at what comes next as a result of this uh, approval of, of um I almost said uh, approval of something else, approval of rules at the, at the Board of Health. And, and so Tuesday's meeting was really interesting, right? Like, I, I, I'll, full disclosure, I've dealt with the Board of Health before. Um, sometime for one of our Easter eggs, I can talk about uh, a, a story, I can tell a story I had involving uh, Gordon Deckert, who was on the Board of Health for, you know, 35 years or something like that. It was kind of amusing. But um, I've dealt with them before, and I've watched them do a lot of things, and I think a lot of people yesterday in the general public maybe who didn't even know we have a board of health um i think they got a taste of some of the dysfunction uh that state agencies and boards um sometimes have and so uh when i when i almost i, I almost made a, a, a misstatement earlier saying that uh they approved the the minutes um actually the, the meeting started where they they tried to um approve the minutes of the last meeting and they couldn't get it done. Uh, too many people abstained, so they didn't have enough yes votes to approve the minutes. And so you had this awkward launch of the meeting uh, where they were like, well, we'll come back and deal with that at another time. And I audibly laughed. If you go back and listen to the, I'm, I'm sitting next to uh, Commissioner of Mental Health, Terry White, and I'm just laughing out loud. And I realize I look around and everybody's like si silent. Stone, stone silent waiting for this Great to happen. Job. And I thought, I thought, this is a really bad sign that you mm -hmm. can't approve the meeting minutes. God forbid what's about to happen. And what ultimately happened was um, the general counsel for the health department, Julie Zell, uh, kind of got up and explained the, the rules that they had written. And there was a public comment period uh, over the, the weeks ahead of time. There were some adjustments. They, they made rules for, um, they banned edibles and they made rules for home grow where you have to have it behind lock and key and a fence that's six feet high and they have transportation requirements and you have to have licenses and they did all this sort of stuff and everybody seemed pretty in the in the in the medical marijuana world pretty happy until um the board uh made a motion chuck skillings i think it is, is that how you say his name or is it Sh skillings i think that's right um said by, by the way, hold on. You said they banned edibles, but then they just banned the ones oh, that yeah, resemble. Right. Oh, yeah, good call. They banned yeah. they banned like gummies, uh, gummies and and uh, candy like resemble edibles. candy like. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Good catch. Um, anyway, so they so they did all they announced these rules, and then um, sort of despite the advice of the general counsel, there was a motion made to change uh, to amend a couple parts of the rules. One of which functionally bans. Um, <clears throat> smokable marijuana being dispensed at dispensaries. The other rule uh, requires um, pharmacists to be at dispensaries during times of operation. Uh, both of these were very controversial. 
um, and really frustrated uh, medical marijuana advocates. Uh, Brian, Ryan, you guys represent New Health Solutions, uh, which is uh, Bud Scott is the director of that, the advocacy group for uh, uh, the trade association, uh, the main one. And so it, it frustrated a lot of people. It was sort of, uh, uh, it was good for clicks on our, our website, but uh, it was it was sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of something that doesn't rhyme with it show. Uh, what was it? <laughs> it was just, it, it just, everyone was shocked. So what were you guys' uh, reactions? Maybe Brian, I'll go to you first because I know what your reaction was. You were you were surprised. Well, I think uh, to, to me, my perception of what happened is that the, the staff, uh, you know, I think we should probably back up. The Board of Health is appointed, uh, they have gubernatorial appointments. Uh, there's a nine member board and each one of those are, is, is appointed by the governor. People don't know who the Board of Health commissioners are. And I would say that 95% of the time in these boards and commissions, uh, the, the, those boards will endorse what the staff has done, all the work that they have done and put into it. My perception of this is that they overruled the staff. The staff had done a lot of work on this issue. And what it ended up happening is, is that the board then took some recommendations that quite frankly had just come out the day before in a press conference from the medical community asking for these very provisions that the board then ended up adopting and i also think it's important to point out that they adopted this on a five to four vote so it was a very uh you know was not a clear-cut um overwhelming uh group that that wanted to to water down these rules and so i think and what i have seen that the my gut reaction my my gut reaction from just watching politics for years in oklahoma oklahoma is a very proud and populous state and I think that when <clears throat> voters feel like that their wishes have been ignored by, uh, by unelected officials, uh, I think that that is when you really get the ire of the citizens of the state of Oklahoma. I actually almost think that in a weird way, even some people that voted no on 788 uh, are mad at what happened because, you know, we had a fair election. Uh, they clearly defied uh, the direction that the, the will of the people went, and they really uh, went back on, on what happened on an overwhelming vote. 57% of the people in the state of Oklahoma voted for this. And so I think, I think it was a, a, a huge overstep by an agency, and uh, it would be interesting to see what the fallout is. Yeah, and not really by an agency, but by the board. By the board, Because right. the yeah. agency was in a different position. Yeah. Uh, Representative Virgin, your thoughts? Yeah, so I was completely surprised as well. I mean, I saw the press conference the day before from the Medical Association and uh, thought, well, you know, that's not necessarily surprising that, that they wanted these things added because they were opposed to the state question to begin with. Um, I had no idea, though, that the board would actually amend the rules to include what the Medical Association wanted. Um, that was that was a complete shock to me, and I think basically a complete shock to everyone. Um, I don't know what happened behind the scenes there, if there's some connection between the board members and the medical community. Um, I haven't looked into that, and I haven't seen any reporting on it, but... I believe the gentleman who made the motion, whose whose name is, I think it was uh, Charles Skillings, Chuck Skillings, mm -hmm. I think he went to high school with, with Governor Fallon, if oh, I'm okay. not mistaken. Yeah, so I think all, I, I looked at the Board of Health members, and it looks like eight of the nine were appointed by Governor Fallon, and there is one uh, Henry holdout because they have nine-year terms. 
Um, so who's, Governor, who's the Henry holdout? I can't remember. Is I'm it sorry. Krishna, or did uh, he come on? Maybe with, I don't remember. Well, he he I voted. Don't know. He voted to to amend the rules. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it, there's there's one person who rolls off in 19. So I think that would be the Henry appointee. Yeah, that's uh, Dr. Legecko, the vice oh. president. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Um, how did he vote? I'll pull it up. Okay. Um, well, yeah, and and just from what I've heard, I didn't listen to the meeting, but in talking to members of the media and talking to people who were there, it seemed like it was just a complete mess. And nobody could really tell if you were listening online. You couldn't tell how the members voted, and so there's been a lot of confusion around that as well. Um, full disclosure, my district voted in favor of 788 by about 78-79%. So it was pretty overwhelming um, and I feel pretty confident in, in supporting the issue completely. But um, even like Brian said, even those people who, uh, who didn't vote in favor of it or those legislators whose districts didn't vote in favor of it, now they're hearing from constituents who just feel completely slighted by the state government again. Um, we had some of this going on with State Question 780, the criminal justice reform, when some legislators tried to change that. And so you're you're seeing that again, but it seems like it's um, seems like it's back with a vengeance this time. People are very upset, um, and rightfully so, I think, because you can't when you look at the amendments that they made, um, the smokable one, of course, I think goes against uh, the voter's intent. But when you talk about pharmacists being required to be at the dispensary, I think that renders it almost completely unworkable right. because pharmacists are regulated by the DEA, if I'm not mistaken, and it's still prohibited by the federal government. And so I think you're going to have a hard time finding a pharmacist who's going to be willing to dispense marijuana. Right. Yeah, and you're going to have costs go up enormously we can get right. to that maybe a little more in a minute ryan want to get your your take as well the last podcast we recorded uh we talked about the elections from june and i i think you know we kind of got into the fact that there was some debate on whether the legislature uh should be the ones to be called into a special session and and address this or whether people felt confident in the board of health and the department of health um, I think I offered some caution uh, uh, in regards to the idea of unelected bureaucrats. Ryan, what, is, what was your take, and, and can you explain that that uh, debate among people in the who were pro medical marijuana? Yeah, absolutely, and, and kind of some foreshadowing from you on unelected bureaucrats there. Clearly, um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> um, but it, you know, in, I think um, amongst the medical marijuana community, there's definitely been a split that we saw prior to the Board of Health meeting uh, among you know varying groups that are in that field. There definitely were some calls um, from one from one of our client Brian and his clients group, New Health Solutions, for a special session. For and, and there were some others as well that would have liked to see the like to see the legislature come in. Still would like to see them come in um, and and put a little more. Um, you know, structure around the whole system that's in place. And I think there's a little more, um, you know, there's a little, there's probably more of a look to do that from other groups that may not have necessarily wanted that following the health department's actions. Um, but there's also within that community, the, obviously the, the, the group behind just the direct passage of say question 788, uh, I think what they, they put into place, they, they wanted to get that up and running and let that, let that process work itself out before we put it in, put any more, um, guidelines and kind of, uh, rail guards around the whole system. So I think that's, you know, 
I think it's an evolving conversation given given what happened mm-hmm. Tuesday. I think another interesting kind of point of this, I saw on Twitter this morning, there was just a conversation around really the whole um, structure of agencies and boards. And Senator mm-hmm. Kim David was on Twitter this morning talking about how she's been fighting to change that structure for year, years through legislation. And that's not just specific to the health department. But I think that's an interesting conversation that's going to come into the fold probably more at next session just based on this. I think, you know, we've seen that push for a few years and there's been a lot of pushback from particularly on the health side. I know she's been, um, you know, looked at both the Department of Health and the Department of Mental Health with those those efforts. And it'll be interesting to see kind of what direction that may take in, in the coming months. Yeah, and I, I real- think it's, I was just gonna say, <coughs> also for our listeners to point out that uh, the process here is that they passed emergency rules, the, the agency did. The governor had the power to disapprove those rules if she so chose. And I think she uh, could have disapproved just a few of them Correct. and approved right. the rest of them. Correct. And she did not have Correct. to, she could disapprove by not acting as well. Right. With, within the 40, 45, with the 40, 45 days. day timeline, yeah. yeah. But instead, she she immediately mm-hmm. approved these rules and put them in place, which really now has put this back in potentially the legislature's lap because I, um, prior to the health department's actions, uh, you know, our trade association was, was certainly uh, wanted, there were some gaps in the laws that we wanted to see fixed, but I think Representative Virgin would probably tell us that what she was hearing from the overwhelming people in like in her district who voted for this, there was a lot of concern about going into special session and circumventing the will of the people, right. I think, and probably some mistrust uh, about what would happen and what the product that would come out of se- uh, the legislative session. Ironically, by what the health department did, right. it's kind of shifted that now yeah. into possibly a call for a special session to go in and attempt to undo what the health department just did. Yeah, so that was that was sort of the feeling of the voters, and that was my feeling as well. Um, I guess maybe I should have listened to Trace yeah. and <laughs> about unelected bureaucrats screwing it up. Um, but in the beginning, when it first passed, and and we were talking about special session or no special session. Uh, I was I was hesitant to say that we should go into a special session because I feared what would happen. Um, I feared something like this would happen, and so I thought, you know, we'll we'll leave it in in health department's hands. And the health department itself seemed like they handled it pretty well, and the rules that they came up with uh, pretty much reflected what uh, the consensus was. And then the board itself sort of took that in a completely different direction um but you're right now it is back in the legislature's hands so we have a couple options we can go back into special session um it doesn't seem that the governor is going to call us back so we would have um you would have to have two-thirds of both the house and the senate uh agree to come back into special session um and then we could disapprove the rules then I think what would happen is we would disapprove the rules and then probably pass some statutes adding to state question 788 instead of going the rulemaking route. Um, That I think would probably still have the Board of Health adopt some regulations, but I think we would we would do most of it. Um, we could do that in special or we could just wait until regular session to do that. We, these rules, um, as I read the statute, would be in place until next September. Um, and so we would have the opportunity in regular session to disapprove them also. Um, I think it's extremely unlikely that uh, the majority party would be willing to come back in before uh, the runoff election um, in late August. So I think at the 
at the soonest you're looking at September um, so you're looking at a difference of four or five months um, when you think about a special session or a regular session just my two cents I think we should do a special session um, because for a number of reasons but mainly because it, the public I think needs needs to feel like someone is listening to them um, and they want it fixed as quickly as possible well that's really kind of interesting to take it to a, a 30,000 foot level about democracy and government right like the old joke is that democracy is the worst <laughs> form of government except for all the others <laughs> yes. right? yeah and so you have a, a situation where the last couple years and even you could argue the last decade uh, here in Oklahoma potentially you know the, the public has become very cynical about the legislature right. um, you know you're you're obviously pretty popular in your district and everything like that and I'm sure you still get people who just hate you because yeah, you have they, three letters in front of your name and right, a period you know right um, as opposed to the others who hate you because you have like a J period D period after your name right um, yeah but two it, most well, unpopular professions except well, for lobbyists, lobbyists yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey journalist hey, is getting don't there. offend yeah. us get yeah. the us in there uh, right, so, right 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 so but to so that so that was kind of where I think that a lot of people thought no 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 we don't want the legislature right we we think very badly of the legislature we don't trust them at all anything like that and I think your average citizen probably kind of forgot or didn't realize that in fact the legislature acting on this sort of thing actually has more of a safeguard for us right right in that um, we have that that in theory every two years you're up for election. And if you're uh, not doing the will of your constituents, um, in fact, somebody will run against you and they'll vote you out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people, there's a big misconception too. I think people think it's a falsehood. If you, when you say that you really listen to the voters in your district, um, I think pretty much 90% or more of the lawmakers around the state you know, really focus on what, what they think, you know, there, there's some, what they think is best, but also what are, what my constituents want on the contrary, as we talked about, you have these agencies and boards and things like that, who really, there is no accountability for anybody in Norman. There is no accountability. Nobody has their phone number. You know, they're not around knocking doors, trying to talk to you. They don't hold forums, um, to hear from their constituents. And so I think that that was kind of lost on the public is that in fact, the legislature, that's democracy. I have a say. I have a voice. I have a vote on this person as opposed to that, that board. The other thing is I think the, the, the DHS, Department of Human Services, they used to have a board, mm -hmm. much like the Board of Health, and that uh, a few years ago was disbanded, uh, potentially for similar reasons. The irony on, on that being is that I think when DHS was having all the – they announced they were going to make those cuts that – the legislature was saying these aren't net why are you doing this you know you're 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 making this improper the public had even fewer people they could go talk right. to with dhs they couldn't even go to the board right. and go to a board meeting and say hey i'm concerned about this please don't do this this affects my family etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it's sort of multiple imperfect yeah. elements yeah i mean i don't want to i don't want to nerd out too much on administrative law and rulemaking <laughs> although i would love to yeah please do um, <laughs> I mean, we can have a whole separate podcast. Right, right. right. I mean, I, I generally uh, appreciate the rulemaking process and think that our Administrative Procedures Act is a good one. Um, and, and things like this, the, the Board of Health doing something like this, I think is very rare. You don't see something like this happening a lot. And I think it's pretty clear under the law that 
they didn't have the power to do this. Yeah, and so I wanted to ask you about that because you're an, you're an attorney, as we just mentioned. Um, cue the booze, right? From yeah, the, booze. Um, Put those the, in, Bryce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting was you had the general counsel, Julie Zell, um, you know, essentially advise the board um, that it was her professional opinion and her legal opinion that they didn't have the power and authority to, to address those areas uh, as they were trying to do. And they sort of very much didn't pay it much heed. Now, now about the four members who voted against it, I think, paid that heed. Yeah. But across the board, there was not big debate. There was no one saying, wait, did you not just hear what she said? Now, I don't know. You are both an attorney and a woman. Uh, it struck me as a, a very bizarre scenario where you have this highly educated, very smart woman standing up there in her legal profession giving this advice and then a bunch of people not taking it. Um, had you ever seen anything like that? Well, I see it quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a female in the Oklahoma legislature, so... I teed um, that one up pretty yeah, decent, didn't I? Yeah, Just you did. Right thanks, the, thanks. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, so... Of course, it, it angered me because she's right, um, and you you know that this is going to lead to lawsuits if the legislature doesn't fix it before then. Um, but it seemed like the five members of the board, certainly the, the board member who proposed the amendments, they already had their mind made up regardless of what the legal opinion was. Yeah, so they're so they're all health professionals. You got some doctors, you got some hospital right. administrators. I just imagine like in my I closed my eyes and I had this vision of it flipped around where you have a room full of lawyers and then one like doctor standing up there and the doctor says, um, yeah, so in my medical opinion, you should not eat all these printer cartridges. And they're just like, <laughs> no, whatever. No, just, we're just gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think so. Um but like you said, you know, there is, people hate lawyers until they need one, um, and well, they're going to need they're going to need gonna one need, now. Yeah, um, um, and their general counsel is going to say, "If you only listened to me." Um, so and, yeah, and, and this and so maybe Brian or Ryan, you guys can can talk about this. That agency needed a win badly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they needed this to be a day where boy, this went well, and, and they it, were so close. They were very close, and it and the and the board couldn't quite you know, let that happen. What, what was your take there? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's fascinating because it looked like, I mean, if they, it looked like going into Tuesday with the set of rules that were out there prior, and because we obviously going into the day, we'd seen the draft that was out. We thought, okay, there's not going to be a special session. These are probably going to be the structure we operate under at least until February. By the time the, if we, when we know at that point, maybe we need to throw more things in place. You had the press conference Monday with some of the medical groups and providers Okay, they made their calls for a few things, but like Emily said earlier, it wasn't really there was no expectation that we would see that come forward. So to see that just kind of all of a sudden tossed in at the last minute, it really it did throw a wrench. It almost it, it seemed like they were like you said they were so close that the one yard line could have mm-hmm. put the football over, yeah. and it they just couldn't. They, 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 get, they tried to throw they, a pass. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> Dear Seahawks. Yeah, exactly. It. So it really is, it, and it's 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 fascinating. Like I said earlier, I you know I, I will be interesting to see. I, I wanted to, to circle back on my point about the board of health earlier. They, they actually was there was a legislation this past session that passed making that making them an advisory, advisory. body mm-hmm. but that takes effect in january so yep. you know this was like a last hurrah mm-hmm. it, it, while also we'll being show you while also being chuck skilling's 
like first day in the position. That was his first meeting. Right. That was part of why they couldn't approve the the uh, minutes was because they had two new board members, and so they didn't feel comfortable um, voting on the minutes of the meeting they weren't at. And then there were uh, like three other members of the previous board who weren't um, there, so they had they had technically had a quorum at the last meeting. But then when you add up the two members and the three members who weren't there that gave them five uh, abstain abstentions on the minutes and so they couldn't even get that done and nobody you know paid attention to it there was also like a moment where um, they were trying to amend rule 2.2-8 oh, which yeah. which didn't exist uh, it was like they were looking at a past uh, draft of the whole thing um, and you know and then and then I in the there was a press scrum afterwards and I asked commissioner Bates who's the interim health commissioner um, you know what his feeling was. Did he give? Did he offer advice to the board? You know, his general counsel told them what she told them. You know, do you think they may? And he just kind of punted and said, "Well, you know, they did their job, and I it's not my position to to comment on that." And I said, "Well, sir, you're you are the commissioner of health of the state of Oklahoma. I I think it is your you know position to comment." And he just didn't really want to take a position because he might get. Hire one of the last right. things that board, board might do is yeah. is hire him after hires. January fourteenth. He's know. in a tough spot. I think right. no, no but, question I mean, about the, it. So they had public comment, right, on these proposed rules. Significant. I mean, yes, you know, thousand. Significant. Yeah, I attempted to go through them all and eventually gave up. Um, but the whole point of public comment is to get the public's idea of what they think on these rules. And so I think I think there's also a case to be made that you didn't go through the public comment requirement on these amended rules um, because they're completely different. There was nothing, no require, no, nothing about those in the proposed rules. So right, right. Um, the public didn't have an opportunity to comment on those. Yeah, and I, I think the to me what's fascinating now as to as to where we go is is a little bit of the politics behind all of this and. Representative Virgin talked about the timing of the runoffs and all of this type of stuff. And it's really fascinating because when you, uh, I, I, I believe that what's happened now, what the Board of Health did yesterday is no longer about necessarily medical marijuana. It's about this frustration that citizens have across the state and across this country that they do not feel like their government is listening to them. And you went through right. and talked about all the public comment and you talked about all this stuff that was ignored. And I think in a microcosm, that's where you see a lot of anger today of, of, of the populace. This is saying, we just don't feel like our government's working for us and we're mad about it and we want to see changes and we want to see all this type of stuff. And I think that what the Board of Health did really lends... Uh, really, actually, just those gasoline kind of on that movement. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fascinating because if you look at this, uh, here, here's to me what's a little fascinating about special session. In order to do special session, that means that there are some members who are defeated right. that would that have to is... come back in and be part of, right. as well as members that will be term limited out. Uh, members that are in runoffs uh, that are that are potentially happening, and then potentially you would be having the special session before the general election that takes place. And what's really interesting about this is all the this this passed by 57% statewide, but there are some districts in the rural areas that right, have failed. Have failed pretty so, spectacularly. So what happens to those members? How are they? How are those legislators going to be on this issue? And there are some Republican urban districts that are open seats today that this passed overwhelmingly right. uh, by like 
excuse me, 65% in like some Oklahoma City and Tulsa areas. So it's really fascinating, the politics of all of this, because I think, uh, and I'm curious to see what Representative Virgin says about this, but my my read on this is that obviously the uh, Republican Party has the majority in the House and the Senate and the governor's office. And I think that they... What 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 majority parties don't ever really want are wild cards interjected into elections, and the 788 turnout was a prime example of that. There was a, such an unpredictable amount of people that turned out in 788 that it really makes political consultants' jobs who try to figure out the universe of people to when Representative Virgin's up for re-election, here who we think is going to turn out. When, when that model is now turned on its head because you don't know who's going to show up at the polls, that scares people that are in power. Yeah, the establishment wants as, as few people as possible to vote. Sure. Typically. And, and, and I mean right. that like across sure. political party and everything like that because the fewer people that vote, the more value your vote is. I know I've got your vote. I know right. I've it, got It's your about vote. predictability. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. about, it's about right. predictability. So yeah. now how do you so, – so, I think as the majority party, we have all these things I just talked about. You got uh, lame duck members. You have members who've been defeated. You have members in rural areas where this failed. You have all those things factoring in. You have a lame duck in. governor. You have, you have, lame duck you governor. have ten sitting ten. GOP House members who are in runoffs. In, in runoffs, but then add in the equation of okay, now potentially this entire 788 crowd turns back out for the general election. Right. And that, to me, is the fascinating politics. Yeah. I'm curious as you're taking. Yeah, on. Uh, the Republicans should absolutely want to fix this as soon as possible, um, because if they don't, turnout and anger against the party in power is going to be extremely powerful. I think in November. Um, so you know you have you have Democrats who are thinking, well, maybe we don't want to fix it um, because that's that's going to help us in November. But ultimately, we've got to fix it because because the voters clearly said what they wanted, and we need to respect that. Um, the timing of it, though, is going to be the most important part, though I think, um, because like you said, you've got these members who were voted out, members in runoffs, a lame duck governor, so. Um, do you want essentially a body that you have a great number of legislators who are not accountable to the voters anymore? Do you want them deciding the policy or do you want to speak in November and, and have that as an issue, um, ask candidates about it and base your vote on that and then have a new legislature and a new governor make the decision? Um, that's an interesting, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, so so I think um, I think legislators now are trying to 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 see what their constituents are thinking. Um, the feedback that I got yesterday uh, when I when I talked about how disappointing the Board of Health decision was, and I said that it's now in the legislature's hands to fix this. Uh, just like we've talked about, everybody basically was like, "Oh, well, then it's not going to get fixed." Right. Um, so you guys get a chance to you guys get a chance to get a win too. To yeah, to redeem ourselves. Let yeah. me let me throw a couple quick uh, speculative. Uh, let, let's let's go in our time machine into the future. Um, I know that Brian, your client, New Health Solutions, has called for a special session. Wants one sooner than later. Uh, Representative Virgin, I think you you said that you figure there should be one yes. maybe in September. Yeah. Um, you know something like that. Um, but let's say that that doesn't happen. Uh, let's say that we don't go to special session um, and November elections happen. And so 
potentially, I guess there could be a special session called by the governor in December or right. January or something like that. But let's say it's either December or January or they just wait till February 1st and we go that route. Um, there's a lot of factors that, that, that would affect how that might look. One being, uh, you guys, I think, I think I've said that I, I imagine the Democratic House caucus is going to pick up a, a handful of seats. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, I hope that's not too rude to say to, to the Republican uh, caucus, but I, I think some of it's looking sort of like that. How many you pick up affects whether there's um, a supermajority. A super majority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's say whether Drew Edmondson, uh, if he prevailed in the governor's race, then you have to consider is there a veto proof majority? Um, you know, how do you how do you pitch these things? How does the Republican uh, narrative? Are they trying to fix it, or are they try? Is is Edmondson the bad guy, or so? What well, do you think the big keys? I have a couple to look of, at. Couple of comments. Are. I think we we probably ought to cover. One is as we as we record this on Thursday, uh, of the three gubernatorial candidates, we have had a very strong statement by Drew Edmondson, um, rebuking what the health department board did and and calling for. Uh, the legislature to fix this. Uh, we have not heard from the Republican uh, uh, gubernatorial candidates uh, as as we record this today, to be fair. So uh, I think that's an interesting uh, dynamic. The other dynamic that we haven't talked about at all is that, uh, and I would have said a week ago that uh, probably not even worth worthy topic, but there actually is a recreational marijuana mm-hmm. question uh, signature gathering process going on right now. Now, whether or not they can, I think they'll gather the signatures, whether or not it all can be certified in right. time to potentially get on the November ballot. But you talk about another wild card scenario that has been interjected into the general election, if possibly recreational marijuana got on the general election. And I think that I probably would have not given it a great chance of passing prior to what the health department board did, but what the health department board just did, because one of the things that this recreational marijuana uh, would do is put this in the constitution, which means the board and the legislature couldn't touch it, has given more credence uh, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a strange way. Yeah, that, that's a lot of the comments that I've seen are, okay, well, I guess we'll just put recreational marijuana into the constitution if you're not gonna let us uh, have what we want in terms of medical marijuana. Perhaps you can talk about the perils of sticking things in the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, so something like that really doesn't belong in the Constitution. But I understand why why the voters and why the, the um, promoters of this petition want to do that. Um, and, and it's the legislature's fault. Uh, Ironically, it's not right now. I mean, it's, it's, the, fault, it's, it's the legislature's fault that the voters feel that way. Yes. Ironically, the legislature isn't the ones who've, who've right. messed with the medical right. marijuana. Um, you know, Oklahoma notoriously has a very long state constitution. We have a lot of things in there that probably shouldn't be in there. Um, but just like what happened with state question 780, that was statutory, which meant that the legislature could come back and change it. And so you're seeing voters and and very engaged citizens saying, all right, well, we can't trust you with statutory state questions. We have to put it in, in the Constitution. Um, so, yeah, it's not really something that is appropriate to be in a state constitution, but I understand why. Um, and I think it, it has picked up a lot of steam. Um, but it's important to remember, though, that the medical marijuana petition actually gathered the signatures in 2016. 
but they didn't get them certified, didn't get through with the court battles in time to get it on the ballot in 16. So that's why it was on the ballot um, in June of this year. So that's something that could happen. We could have recreational marijuana on the ballot in 2020. Right. Um, so we'll Seem, see. Seems kind of unlikely that there won't be court challenges on, right. Right, you, on that. You that have to imagine that um, someone who is uh, who wants to keep the Republican majority is going to make sure that that's tied up in court for a little while. Yeah, yeah it's a very tight timeline. They've got through August 8th, and so they're about a little over halfway through their signature process. And I think as of Sunday, had right around 82, 81,000 signatures. So 125 is what they need, and that's assuming. But even if they get the signatures, there's no guarantee right. that, that it makes yeah, it. Yeah, the process that. after that is yeah, pretty tight. Yeah, signature gathering campaigns usually try to get about double what's yeah. required. Yeah. Now let's let's talk very quickly, because we're trying to keep this shorter than, than we have in our recent episodes uh still my my question is february um uh, I, I, brian i'm going to give you the same treatment i gave tom bates uh my question uh, again <laughs> is what what are the factors if this goes to normal session 2019 57th legislature gets sworn in um and there's a there's an attempt to either you know supplant those rules with statute um, there's a lot of different factors. What do you guys think uh, is the biggest factor if this goes to a, a February uh, session? Well, I don't think that, in my opinion, I find it hard to believe that the rules that the health department put in, the, the two provisions, the two amendments on the pharmacist and the smokable form, I don't think those. The, the, I don't think there's any way those can, those can stay and prevail long term. Whether it's a special session or a next regular session, I really find it hard to believe that the people will not, in one way, shape, or form, either through their, um, you know, their their constitutional right through democracy to make changes in November, or what have you. Or I don't think battle. that those or their court battle or whatever. I mean, most people that you talk to don't think that this even stands the legal challenge. As a matter right. of fact, we've had at least one other state that tried to do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and it was thrown yeah, out. Florida. Thrown out. Florida did, and, and uh, their Supreme Court threw it out. So uh, I, I think that there, there are many ways to argue why this will not last long term. But the answer to your question is, it's hard to answer your question because <laughs> I don't know what happens in November. If you have a massive groundswell in November, right. which if they don't do anything, I kind of think you're going to see a little bit of that. Then I think you're going to see a lot of momentum come next regular session to come in and immediately save the day and and fix a lot of these problems. But uh, we are talking about a 300 or 400 or even 600 page uh, framework uh, you know, advanced by people who want to make this happen. I think on the Republican side, Representative John Eccles, uh, floor leader, is is basically the only Republican who's come out and said, "Yes, I was for medical marijuana," and you know, I'm yeah. he's probably going to spearhead this on that side of it. Um, there are other issues. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't want you to shake too badly or jump out of your chair, Representative uh. Virgin, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a number: seventy six. That would be the votes needed in the House if there was any adjustment uh, to the tax rate, which people have talked about as well. Whether or not it's 76 or 51 just to get it passed, um, it probably would be a bad idea for anybody to put this through and not have an agreement 
probably bipartisan agreement on right. this is the language we want. Right. And we did actually have that in the House. Right. You guys um, passed During something. regular session, yeah. we passed a regulatory framework. Um, one of the complicating factors is that Representative Jordan um, from Yukon, who sort of took up that effort, he decided not to run for re-election. Um, and so you're going to look for sort of a new champion in the House that may be Representative Eccles. He's the floor leader, though, so he's got a lot of other things on his plate. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it just sort of to, you know, put a plug in for the House or the Senate. Um, we did pass a regulatory framework uh, because it was it was fairly obvious that this was going to pass, I think. And uh, we had two years uh, because we knew at the end of 2016 that the, this would be on the ballot in 2018. Another to try to wrap up your real question, uh, because I know I haven't done a good job of doing it. <laughs> you're you're I, fine. You're a politician, I do, do. Yeah, I've been around too, too, <laughs> too long. But I do think that a, the, the, the legislature uh, that gets sworn in next January that will uh, uh, be in session uh, next February is going to be, look dramatically different than this this session, this legislature. Yeah. And I think on this subject, you're going to have a lot more friendly voices in February than you have today. Because I do believe there are a lot of outgoing legislators, and I believe there are some outgoing legislators who didn't want to pass anything in advance because they thought by not passing something, they might help kill it at right. the ballot. Right. That mindset's still hanging around that Capitol. And so, and the and those people, as lame ducks, are no longer beholden necessarily to their voters. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but they don't have to stand for re-election, so they don't have the same political concerns that a lot of other people have. So it's interesting because the the legislative session will be a, would be a fascinating. I mean, a special session would be fascinating just because the 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 legislature is going to look dramatically different. Ryan, just for our listeners. At minimum, what are we looking about as new members uh, in February versus to, versus right now? I don't have it in front of me. I think it's is it forty nine? I think right now total in the house in the house Senate. in the house and Senate. Yeah. yeah, so that's just about. I think that's the number as of right now. If every single incumbent that stands on runoff or general election ballots goes keeps their seat, so that's just a, basically a third right there. And then if you factor in, you know. Two, two years ago, four years ago, we've had huge classes. So it's 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 a lot of turnover in the last four years. Well, and specifically, um, let's let's think about uh, Senator Irvin Yin has already lost his seat. So that means the Senate will have a new health chairman or chairwoman. Um, if we know who that is, that's going to shape how the right. legislation right. looks. And the same thing potentially in the House is Mike Ritz, who has um, you know a, a, a tough challenge. He's been drawn into a runoff. He has yet to answer, to my knowledge, um, the the criticism of potential stolen valor, uh, the the disabled veterans of America or disabled American veterans sent him a letter asking him to quit, claiming he was a member of, of their organization. They withdrew the honorary membership he was supposedly given by somebody. Um, so he has a tough road to get back there in February. Um, I'm sure you're just broken up about that representative i am heartbroken um yeah. and so so Surely. so you could have two different health chairmen or chairwomen entirely so there's a lot of unknowns so with that i guess let's try to get to a final um question on the topic of marijuana what are you most interested to watch um over the next six months uh six nine months something like that 
I, I think I'm I'm most interested to watch the, the uh, what what ends up happening politically as it relates to um, what happens in November and potentially ongoing. Because as as this issue, you know, we go back. Uh, and, and a lot of people talk about, you know, when Brad Henry was elected governor, cockfighting was one mm-hmm. big issue on the ballot, and people still talk about that. And they talk about that because it goes back to what you were saying before. They talk about that issue because that turned the turnout model on its head. As long, you know, uh, Representative Virgin made this point. I think as the majority party, what they would prefer, prefer to do is that this 788 coalition go away, that this be a one-time event. The longer this lingers, the longer you have a built-in constituency that you can kind of um, sway things for a while. And I also think that's what's kind of ironic about recreational marijuana. Recreational marijuana is going to put on the ballot now and is punted to 2020. You keep this 788 kind of coalition uh, of voters that are interested in this kind of paying attention now for the next couple of years. I think it's a, the politics around it are, are what's most fascinating to me. I I do believe and I do think that the legislature will 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 fix this eventually. I do believe this. Uh, I think we'll debate this forever the next 20 years, but I think what's just happened I think will get fixed. The politics and the fallout I think of what interests me right now about this. Yeah, Ryan, I mean Emily? as as a member of the minority party um, what happens in November is certainly what I'm watching the most. Um, but also what happens with the recreational petition um, is is going to be really interesting. Um, sort of the same thing that happened with the medical petition. It wasn't really a professional operation. It wasn't, uh, nobody was putting up a ton of money behind it like you see with a lot of other state questions. And so... There isn't really a there isn't a professional operation writing the language or attempting to gather the signatures, um, but it still could get on the ballot. So that is that's probably the most interesting thing to me because it's it's a product of this whole um, this whole mess. Yeah, right. I, I think watching what happens with proposed state question 797 the recreational is is the biggest wild card that we you know that's left out there at this point whether or not it gets on the ballot and then what it when that actually occurs so if, if we do have another two years like brian said of this this coalition kind of you know slowly burning up to a a new um you know kind of a new goal it's I, it's it'll be interesting to watch as combined with you know what type of leadership we see in you know the governor's office and at the capitol um after the november elections i'll be interested to watch um kind of how drew edmondson uh uses this issue um can he does he continue to to offer fiery statements does he try to to box his opponents in we didn't have time i did see kevin stitt in a facebook video kind of talking about this and he he sort of basically his whole thing was it's recreational it's not medical and that was his message out in western oklahoma but as an aside i, I want to see what the edmondson campaign does with this can they can they claim that they were on the right side they were he was marching with teachers um can they sort of meld together a a coalition of educators and then 788 activists in a way that that really drives some turnout um, and breaks sort of the 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 Democrat deficit, um, you know, uh, and, and and can that propel him? Um, months ago, I was saying that he should have been uh, at every you know VFW with pizza because he was the only um, you know veteran running. It, it sort of shows the different Oklahoma political climate now, right? Is the mm-hmm. fact that he's the only veteran uh, in the race and no one cares about that. 
but we instead are really focused on marijuana in 2018. That's very interesting. Uh, final thing for me is I also am really interested to see uh, how quickly Joe Exotic can get his um, dispensary up and running and whether <laughs> they have tiger-flavored uh, yeah. uh, marijuana gel for us to rub all over our feet. So uh, on, <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, and thank you, Representative, for, yeah. for being here. Thanks really, for having um, me. You can feel uh, so important uh, right? now on a so podcast. Cool. Um, and I think until next time, we're going to leave you with a uh, little clip that we have of you guys talking about the staircase. In the meantime, rate us, review us, um, share us. Uh, there's something else, but just whatever it is, uh, do it for us and help us grow this podcast. So there, you guys are talking about the staircase, and uh, I don't have any idea what this is about. I guess it's some sort of true crime uh, uh, kind of thing, and you're so Brian. Can you explain very briefly what the staircase is? And then Emily, I think the question is: Have you ever heard anything more ridiculous than the quote-unquote owl theory? So Brian, what <laughs> it's is not what, ridiculous. <laughs> well, the staircase is Netflix's kind of new um, crime documentary, uh, real crime uh, documentary, kind of similar, I guess, to Making of the Murderer and all that type of stuff. And I guess my understanding, and somebody who's more familiar, they made a series of these documentaries um, about 15 years ago or so Mm -hmm. when the original trial occurred. And then Netflix, I don't know if they released them back then or not, but bottom line is they released this with an update on where the trial took a different kind of turn. And um, there was a little bit of a finality to, or, or they kind of wrapped up the trial a little bit. But anyway, it's one of these, you live through uh, the trial and come to your conclusion as to whether or not you think the, the individual is guilty or not. And what is the owl theory? So the why it makes sense to me, basically it's that she, because they were both outside, and she went inside. The husband stayed outside. I'm sorry. We should probably explain about. Oh yeah. Well, she was. How, how did she die? She she was found dead at the bottom of their staircase. A lot of blood. Um, and so the the jurors and and when you first look at it, you think you don't you don't lose that much blood from falling down the stairs. Um, I've fallen down the stairs quite a bit, and right. I never bled. Right. Um, Th- that in and of itself could be a great Easter egg for the end of this podcast. Okay, so you have <laughs> you have you have twenty five seconds to explain the owl theory. Okay, so the theory is, and and it makes sense geographically where they were. These owls were fairly prevalent. That an owl like silently swooped down on her when she was going back into the house and sunk its talons into her and that explains the lacerations on the back of her head and because there's no brain damage no skull fracture so she really wasn't beaten you can't you can't really make the the case that she was beaten because there was there was no skull fracture no brain damage um so the theory is that she was attacked by this owl and she went inside and it came it, it attacked her outside then she went inside and tried to go up the stairs to you know clean herself up and and yeah and, uh, and so. as, as ridiculous as it sounds they talked to it's not called owl experts <laughs> orna, ornithologist ornithologist they did they talked to them and uh that's that's impressive that she came up with that <laughs> they did talk to them and several 
concluded after looking at everything that that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And the theory was floated by their neighbor because they have an owl's nest between the two homes and have for years. And if you go and look in it, owls attacking like joggers and stuff like that, they're very territorial apparently during a couple of months of the year when it's mating season. And this is when that happens. So it's a, when you read it, my first, the headline of it, yeah. I was like, well, this is the most ridiculous theory I've ever heard. But then when you read about it and you see all these third party kind of endorsements of this idea, it doesn't sound as ridiculous as it sounds when you yeah. float it. All right. Well, that's not bad. It reminds me of the time that I captured a bird in the state capitol and set it free outside. Did it try to it, kill you? Yeah, yeah. No. And you fall down, <laughs> did you fall down the staircase or anything? Yeah. yeah uh, no. Well, it's, I mean, the staircase is fascinating. Yeah. It's it is. Um, because the defendant, the husband, is certainly not. He, he's a complicated person. Yeah. And the prosecution brings all of that out. And so he's not he's not super likable. But one of the things I thought was interesting that um, they showed, they had, you know who Michael Lee, the, the famous... Um, uh, ornithologist? Not, not ornithologist, <laughs> but he's the... Uh, uh, expert crime scene guy blood or whatever. blood splatter or, yeah. expert yeah. he was in the oj trial he right. was in all this stuff anyway he's he's world renowned as a as kind of a blood splatter expert hey there this is bryce the editor uh, just a quick editor's note uh everyone keeps saying blood splatter and blood splatter expert uh that's not a thing it's it's spatter blood spatter and blood spatter experts so uh they just keep saying that for the rest of this episode so just uh bear with them they had him come in. It's a thing. Yeah. They had him come in and speak and that the defense, and they had a focus group, and this is in North Carolina in 2003, and the, the and he's brilliant, uh, you know, all of, but the focus group really came back and didn't like him, mm-hmm. and it was really because he was hard to understand. He's, he's, a, he's, yeah, he's he's Chinese, Chinese I believe, and yeah, and he was hard to understand. So it was interesting because when you saw that, you thought, oh, I can see how – you know, I mean, it, it was just the bias. The part about how he signed the book <laughs> yeah, to that guy was right. fascinating because it's like, well, you know, in my culture, we don't, we're very polite. And so I wouldn't say anything bad. But um, fun fact about the blood splatter expert later in the series um, at the, tri- at the um, uh, new trial hearing, he lives in my district in Norman. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got to wrap this up because it's <laughs> I can talk but about it forever. But can you Sorry. say blood splatter expert five times fast? No, I cannot. But try I don't it. Want can to you? Do it. Blood splatter expert. Blood splatter expert. Blood splatter expert. Blood splatter expert. Blood. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. How We Got Here is a presentation of FKG Consulting in association with nondoc.com, produced and edited by Bryce Holland. For more information, visit fkgconsulting.com and nondoc.com.